going to have a, one of the young ladies here testify and uh, lead us into worship this morning. I'm one of the pastors here. My name is Berto. And uh, here's Deanna. She's going to bring us a testimony and pray us into worship. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. It is a good morning in the house of God. And really quick, I just want to share a testimony of what God is doing in my life. Uh, I work for CPS right now, so the school year is over. I have school loan loans to pay off, and I was already planning to be unemployed for this summer. That's usually how my summers work. I really uh, was worried, though, about my loans, because how many got loans up in this place? Deliver us, Lord. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was really worried, and, um, you know, God was kind of giving me ideas, and I had, this, I, I had this idea about painting and selling my paintings online. And God just told me, you know, don't even waste your time, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, just really putting on my heart to, to put his work first and to really, even though I don't have something in my hand, to really put joy in my heart by putting God first and waiting on him. And so even though I didn't have a job and I didn't, um, I didn't find work, I put God first. I dedicated myself to the evangelism team here. I said, you know what, I'm going to pour out, you know, and just serve the people, serve God, put him first. And do. by the way, lives have been changing. There's been people healed on the streets, by the way. We've been talking to people, and there's just truth and, and life uh, on the streets. God's people are getting moved and rocked. People that don't know Jesus are getting saved. And so just putting God first. And then all of a sudden I get this call, right? It's, it's very out of the blue. Just spontaneously, I get a call saying that you've been selected, you know, the, the same people that I work for, to, to inspect buses. And so God gave me a job, and I praised him. I was praising him because I, I wasn't worried about it anymore. I'm going to put him first, and he's going to make it come through, and God bless me. And so I want to read this verse. It says in Proverbs 22, verse 4, humility and the fear of the Lord will bring wealth and honor and life. When you put God first, something happens. It doesn't matter what's in your hand, but what's in your heart. That's what God cares about. God cares about what's in your heart. Joy will not come from money. Joy will not come. The days are evil, right? Why make them stressful, amen? Let's put God first. Let's have true joy, true freedom, real wealth, amen? So if you guys are waiting on something, whether it be finances or you're just waiting on God maybe to baptize you in the Holy Ghost, I just want you to raise your hands as we pray right now. Surrender to him first because he cares about your heart. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that victory is found in you, Lord. We humble ourselves before you, God. We surrender to you, Lord. Though we might not have a boss right now, God, you are our boss, and there is work that you want us to do, Lord God. Lord God, there is nothing more valuable than your blood, Jesus, that was shed for us. God, there's nothing more valuable, more precious, oh God. We are wealthy in you, Lord God. We have it all in you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah, God. Today's a happy day, God, because we're in your presence, Lord. Come on. Can you put your hands together with us? Hallelujah. I say the greatest day, the greatest day in history. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave. I'm eternal, you have won the day. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. Come on, say that again. The greatest day in history, the greatest day in history. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. 
celebrate Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave, life eternal, you have won the day. Celebrate Jesus is alive. He's alive. And oh, happy day, happy day. I will wash my sin away. Oh, happy day. Happy day, I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. Come on, sing in the greatest day in history. The greatest day in history. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. Celebrate. Jesus is alive. On the empty cross, the empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. He's alive. And oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same, oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. Come on, oh, what a glorious day, say, oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious way. Thankfulness to the Lord. 
thank you, Jesus. You are good, God. Lord, we lift up your name this morning, Jesus. You're awesome in this place. Oh, Lord, we worship you, God. Hallelujah. You're so great and mighty, God. We lift to you, God. We look to you, Jesus, this morning. We don't look to ourselves. We don't look to our situations, God. And God, we thank you, Lord, that there's testimonies all over this room, Lord. Testimonies of your goodness, of your greatness, God. Come on, all over this room, can you just close your eyes with me and just think about how good God is to you. Come on, think of three things God has done in your life. Come on, let's fill our hearts with thankfulness in this place. Thank you, Jesus. You're good, Lord. You're good, Jesus. about who he is this morning. He said again, how great is our God and how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Oh, we'll see Just lift up your own thankfulness and your own words. You are awesome, Jesus. Oh, yeah. We worship you, God. Come on, a couple more moments. You're so worthy of all praise, God. You're worthy of all worship. We come to lift you up, God. We come to lift up your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Of the king, the splendor of the king. Come on, he's clothed in majesty. Sing it out, clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth, oh, he rejoices. He rests, he rests himself in light. Come on, and darkness tries. Too high, trembles and his voice, trembles and his voice. How great is our God? Oh, yeah, you are great, Lord. Oh, we see how great are you, God. For the world to hear you, how great, how great is my God, He's so awesome, He's so great, 
on a couple more moments. Come on, can you push through what you're nor- what's normal? Come on, push through what you're used to this morning. Come on, do something that you haven't done before. Come on, can you lift your voice a little bit louder to our King, to our God? He's worthy of your worship this morning. He's worthy of our praise. Come on, the heavens declare the work of His hands. The reason we're breathing is because of His grace. He's worthy this morning, church. You deserve it all, King Jesus. You deserve it all, Lord. You deserve a hundred percent. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord, Jesus. We're here to worship you, God. We're here to worship. Come on, push through, push through. Come on, push through. Push through this morning, your tiredness. Push through your tiredness this morning. He's worthy to receive our praise. Hallelujah. Yeah. Your name above all names. Worthy of all praise. And my heart. to sing this first verse and it talks about who our God is and a lot of times we we picture our father God as as a mean dad or sometimes we we think of him as a big Santa Claus but this verse just describes perfectly who our God is the splendor of our king clothed in majesty come on that is who we serve this morning we don't serve a little God we don't serve a, a Santa that's somebody that we just ask for things we serve an awesome God And whenever you worship, whenever you sing to him, whenever your heart is is directed towards him, he is with you. He is here in this place, church. And we serve an awesome God. Let's just sing this first verse one more time. And as we do, I want us to close our eyes and I want us to see God for who he is, that he's a king and he deserves our worship. sing it to him. He's clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps. He wraps himself in light. And darkness tries to hide. It trembles at to age from age to age he stands time is in his hands and time is in his hands beginning and the end beginning and the end Godhead he's the Godhead three in one 
Show Praise International, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. 
And this morning we open up this time for the Holy Ghost to speak to his church. So God, we ask for you to have your way. We ask for you to speak to our hearts, Lord. Jesus. Hallelujah. Before we go to the next word, I just want us to stop and receive that word. So anybody that has a word, hold it. Write it down and give it to us, one of the leaders. But right now, I don't think we need another word. That word was so powerful. I'm just going to ask that our elders and deacons will just go into the front right now and to a place of prayer. And as we sing this next song, I... I want those who just need forgiveness, those who need transformation, those who want to stop hypocrisy. I want you to hear what God was saying through our sister today. Her voice was like that of Isaiah. If you know her, she's not normally like that, but her voice was like the prophet Isaiah where God told him, cry aloud and spare not, warn my people. She spoke just as a prophet would in the Old Testament with the heart of God pleading with people here. So before we sing and pray, we're not meaning to embarrass you. We will pray for you privately and we will sing the rest of us. So we're not going to stare at you. But I want there to be a real honest heart search right now because that was a powerful word. Sent like electricity through my body. Not just because of her tone, not just because she was loud but because of the passion of God in that word. And that's very similar to what I'll be preaching in just a few moments. And as a matter of fact, before I even came out here, I was considering interrupting the normal order of service with a very similar word, just calling for genuine repentance. So I want you to not miss this. This is what God is saying. Those of you who have hidden sin in your heart, God wants you to repent. Even if you're one of our pastors, one of our leaders, if you are hiding sin, you need to repent. For those of you who have been mistreating your wives as husbands, wives, mistreating your children, anger, temper problems, you need to repent. Those of you who have been in perversion, sex before marriage, pornography, 
vulgarity, watching dirty music videos, dirty movies, things that defile your heart, you need to repent. Those of you here who have forsaken your devotional lives, you're, you're not praying like you once did, you're not reading your Bible like you once did. Those here who are unforgiving, you're not forgiving your enemies, people have hurt you, bitterness is raising up in your heart choking out the life of God in you you need to ask the Lord to soften your heart today so on the count of three I'm going to ask all those here regardless of title position if it's your first time visiting no matter who you are to run to this altar and find a prayer worker and get right with God they're not your priests, but they are here to help you today and if you don't want them, then just run to the altar and fall on your knees before God. But you need to get serious with God. That was a pleading of the Lord today. On the count of three, we're going to release the prayer workers in a song to be sung. And those who are right with God, listen to me. We will go to heaven without you if he comes back today. We don't feel sorry for you after this because Christ has pleaded with you. It's your choice now. Those who are right with God will rejoice in His presence. If we were to die today, you would go to hell and many of you would perish because God pleaded with you. You're without excuse. Understand that. We don't do this for our sake. We don't stop the service for our sake. We're doing it for you. We're doing it for you to get right with God because He pleaded with you through that word. On the count of three, the band's going to sing and you're going to come. If that was you, search your heart. One, because God is worth it. He's worth you getting out of your seat. He's worth you repenting of your sins. He's worth you getting right. Two, because hypocrites will perish. Liars will go to the lake of fire. You can fool men, but you cannot fool God. Get ready to come. Right now, band, start playing. One, two, three. Come from your seats. Those who need repentance, find a place at this altar. Right now, come on. The Lord beckons you. This preacher calls you. Prayer workers are waiting for you. It's time right now. It's time to get right with God. Come on, church. Come on. Come on, get right with the Lord. He's a holy God. He loves you. No matter who you are, get right with God. If your conscience is stricken, if your heart is beating, you know who you are. Come to the Lord. We're coming to Jesus. the mercy seat. We're coming to the mercy seat of crying. We're coming to the mercy seat. We're coming to the mercy seat. We're coming to the mercy seat.
direct line to the Father through the Holy Ghost this morning. If your hands are clean, you can raise those hands this morning. Come on, raise those hands to Him. We the redeemed say so. Come on, if you've been redeemed, if you've been washed, come on, you have a direct line to the Father now, through the cross. never be the same. Tell Him this morning, never be the same. Your people never be the same. Oh, a spotless bride, a righteous bride, a spotless church. Never be the same, Jesus. I am yours and you are mine.
Jesus, would you just grab a seat where you're at? Maybe smile at somebody. Welcome to Metro Praise. Pastor Jared is going to preach the gospel to you. Just to remind you why we believe what we believe. Thank you for allowing the spirit to move. Isn't God good? You know, that call to repentance, repentance is a very sweet word. You know, it's, it means that uh, we leave whatever we're doing to get closer to God. It's an invitation to be close to God. Because you can't be close to God while you're sinning. So repentance is an invitation to know the Lord. Let's turn together in our Bibles, if you have it, Romans chapter 3. I just want to share a quick word about the blood of Jesus. And um, if you've repented or if you still need to repent, here is the grounds that God will accept you. God will not accept you just because you're sincere or because you're sorrowful. But God accepts you on the basis of Jesus' blood that was shed for you. And you say, well, why do Christians talk about blood so much? Jesus' blood. I'll tell you why as we read this verse together, Romans 3, 23 through 25. This is the 84 NIV. It's an older edition of it. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. Someone say faith in His blood. If I had to title the message, that would be it. Faith in His blood. Here's three reasons why we should put faith in His blood. Number one, His blood is purifying. It is the only substance in the universe that can cleanse your conscience, that can wipe your heart clean of all your sins, all your misdeeds, all, all your behaviors, all your attitudes, all those things that you did that were sinful and wicked before God. The blood of Jesus is the only substance in the universe that can cleanse it. It's purifying. And it's purifying because it's payment. Someone say payment. Jesus paid the price for your sins. He was punished 
on your behalf. When he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because we don't deserve to be close to God. We deserve to be separated from God forever in hell because of our sins, because of the things we've done against him. So Jesus took our punishment. It was payment. He paid not only for our sins, but he paid for us. We are purchased with his blood. If you're purchased with that blood, then you belong to God now. You are God's very own. So it's purifying, it's payment, and it's precious. It's the most precious substance in the universe. God gave his one and only son, and something you need to know about Jesus is he's not just another guy. In fact, he's not just another God. He's God's only begotten son. And, and, and God gave him to us. And he lived among us, you know, God. And he lived among us. And he suffered and he hung on a cross for us naked, wounded, bruised, ashamed, tortured. And he was under God's wrath for us. His blood is the most precious thing in the universe. Jesus, understand, he's not created. He is God. In the beginning, the word was with God. The word was God. He is God. So when he sent Jesus, the Father, he wasn't sending a copy. He wasn't sending something he cheaply manufactured. He gave his best, and he gave of his very self. So this morning, we could put faith in his blood, amen, that as we repent, we could put faith in the blood of Jesus to purify us, to purchase us for God because his blood is so precious. We could just stand up. Father, we just pray for the blood of Jesus to wash our sins away as we call out to you. And, and as, if I'm praying, if you feel it, you call on Jesus and you repent in your own words. God, as we call on you, as we repent of our ways, God, we're putting faith in, in the blood of Jesus this morning. That, that we have a clean conscience, that we're purchased, that we belong to you. God, we thank you for the precious blood of your son, Jesus. Lord, I just pray for a heart of faith that, that it'll be real, that it's not just some saying that, that's been said before. You may have heard about the blood before, but let it be real in your life this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting us. Thank you for washing us. Thank you for making us new. Thank you, God, for making us your very own children. We love you and we bless you. And Lord, we pray that everybody in this room, they'll, they'll leave right with you because of the blood of Jesus. Thank you. In his name we pray. Amen. If you could remain standing, we have Berto and Griselda here. They're going to pray with you in a moment. If you really need prayer, if you didn't make it right that time, you got to make it right by now. Come on. What are you waiting for? Berto and Griselda will pray for you. Um, they'll help you get right with God. They're just going to bear witness to what happens between you and the Lord. You're going to call on Jesus and they're going to help you. Amen. We're going to say together our confession of faith. This is what we believe as a church. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what's been uh, going, been passed down since Jesus. So this is what we believe. This is what we place our trust in. So we're going to say this together on the count of three. Amen. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation and his death burial and resurrection and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever 
I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. We're going to take a time to fellowship. If you need to make it right with God, Bert and Griselda there. Besides that, you can love on somebody today. Meet someone new. Praise God. Why don't you guys give somebody a high five as you make your way back to your seat. And if you're already sitting, give your neighbor a high five. Say, welcome to Metro Praise International. Woo! We welcome you here. Thank you for joining us for service this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And I just want to let you know that we are so excited 
to have you with us this morning at MPI. Our services are every Sundays at 10 a.m. and then Fridays for Elevate at 7 p.m. If you're 18, uh, if you're 11 to 18 years old, please join us on Fridays at 7. It is for you. And if you know anybody from that age, bring them on by. Pastor Adam and the team, they have an awesome time for our youth services. Amen. We have an exciting announcement for you. Coming up is our summer conference. Somebody say life in the spirit. We are so pumped about this and we want every single one of you to put this in the calendar, get the time off because it is going to rock your world. You do not want to miss this. Our service times are um, very clearly explained on the flyer. We have a Friday night session, two sessions on Saturday, and then on Sunday after service, we are all as a whole church going to go to Montrose Beach, have our baptism, baptisms and a picnic. We want you to bring your neighbors, your co-workers, your family, your grandmama, everybody. We want everybody to be there that, that day for the baptisms and then all the sessions. Can somebody say amen? Look to your neighbor say, are you going? Look to your other neighbor say, you don't want to miss this. You got to be there, okay? We want to come with force because God's going to do great and mighty things in our midst. If you believe it, say amen. Our vision here at uh, Metro Praise is loving God and loving people. And we strive to do that with everything inside of us. We love God and we sincerely love our neighbors. And so if you are a visitor here this morning, I just want to make sure that you've received our first-time visitor brochure. We want to welcome you to our church and let you know all the fun and exciting things that we are about and that we do. And if you are, if this is your first time here and you did not receive one, please raise your hand and our ushers will get one to you. And the most important thing about this is definitely the information for you to take home. But at the bottom, there's a perforated card. If you could please fill it out and put it in our drop box. We would love to connect with you throughout the week. And our um, discipleship strategy is threefold. We want to connect you to the cross, mentor you with the cross, and send you out with the cross. And the way we want to connect you is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. How many of you guys get life at life groups? Our motto for this, our heartbeat, our DNA for the life groups is that we are disciples that share life together. So please find one that fits with where you are in life, fits with your schedule. Find a place to belong. And then we want to mentor you through our 101 book and our 201 book. We want to get into your life, teach you how to be a leader and be all that God has called you to be. And then we want to send you out to evangelize, win the world for Jesus. And our goal at MPI is to have 50 churches in this city with 100,000 disciples and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that in Jesus' name, say amen. We are excited. We are excited. We believe that God is going to win our city and win the nations. Amen. We're going to now prepare to uh, give our tithes and offerings. If you could turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. At MPI, we believe that the Bible teaches that a tithe is a 10% of your total income. And an offering is an amount that is between you and the Lord that you give above the tithe. And we believe it, we practice it, and we are obedient to that in this church through our teaching and through our actions. Philippians chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. Paul is writing to the Philippian church right here, and he's thanking them for their gift and for their offering. And he's saying, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. 
I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering. Say fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Four points I want to make to you quickly. Paul's primary concern was not their gift, but rather the development of the grace of giving. I want to challenge you, church, at MPI here, body of Christ. I want to challenge the grace of giving among you, just like Paul did with the Philippian church and all the other churches he planted. It wasn't the gift alone. It was teaching them to grow in the grace of giving. And his concern about it being credited to their account was he wanted to see spiritual growth and fruit in their life. Amen. Somebody say amen. And such offerings please God. Why? Because they came from obedient hearts. We want to have a church that is obedient to the commands of God. And when we put God first in our finances, the, the, the spirit of greed is broken off of our life and God's blessings can flow because at the closing of that, he says, God will meet your needs. The Bible says that we have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. It doesn't mean that because you put $10 in the offering bucket that tomorrow God's going to give you a million. It is a lifestyle of sacrificial giving to God, a community, an atmosphere where we say, God, our tithe and offering belongs to you and whatever is left over, I'm going to do above and beyond what you could have ever imagined that I can do in your life. Say amen if you believe that. Please stand up to your feet with me. We thank you, all the staff, the elders and the deacons, thank you for those that tithe and give to offerings. Our offering is budgeted to go towards our building fund and to missions because we believe the nations need Jesus. We thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord and fulfilling the Great Commission. Let's repeat this all together. Luke 6:38. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, God, for your blessings to our life. That when we put you first in all things, all things will be given back to us, God, because you care for your children. I pray, God, that you will meet our budget here at MPI this month above and beyond what we could have ever expected because you are faithful. We want to see Chicago one for Jesus and the nations of the world to be evangelized. I pray for doors to open in this place for those that are looking for employment that need raises. I pray, God, that you would favor your favorites in Jesus' name, the ones that have been faithful to your cause, God. I pray that you would bust down doors that need to be opened by your grace and power and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Come forward as you give. Come on, you guys want to do this line dance style? Come on, let's stand up. Let's stand up. Get, just rewind it just a little bit. Now, we, somebody needs to help me. Help me. So 
We're going to start off going to the left, then to the right. Go. To, then we're going, okay, to the right. Then we're going to the right. Jump, 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 jump. <laughs> jump, jump. Come on. Buddy, if he's going to the left, then I'm going. Are we? There we go. Yeah. Dance, dance, dance in the river. All right, give Jesus a hand clap. Come on, isn't that fun? <laughs> it's like you had to go to our left or we had to go to your left. But if you were technical, you went to your own left, and that's why we were going in different directions. And isn't that called syncopation? When they're all going in different directions but at the same thing? Okay, we'll just go on from there. Welcome. You guys love Jesus? I never thought I would say the word syncopation in church, but I was trying. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 4, 18. Just want to encourage you to make time out for these life groups that we have going on this summer and for the conference. These two great things will bless you and encourage you. It's great seeing a lot of young adults and teenagers here. You're going to fit into one of those life groups. I promise you, you got a lot of time in the summer. Come to youth group Friday night and then go to your life, uh, youth group Friday night and go to your life group on Tuesdays. Then if you're 18 or older, you can come to the encounter night tonight on Sundays and hang out with everybody there. And they've been doing a lot of different outreaches during the week, going to the beach and different things. So just look on the back of your flyer. If you ever want to know which one to be a part of, just look back here, man. Just hook it up. Look at your neighbor and say, hook it up. All right, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Crispy and clean. You know what I mean. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm excited. This is what we do. Amen. We come to church and have fun. Just always remember with me, you can take the boy out the south, but you can't take the south out the, okay, New Orleans messed me up, y'all. So I got I to be me. You know what I'm saying? Come and follow Jesus was the first message we talked about in this series. We're in a, a series called Discipleship for the entire month of July. We're learning about being disciples of Christ. The first message was come and follow Jesus. So this is our key text. Look at it with me in Matthew 4, 18. If you're there, can you say I'm there? Thank you. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. He said, come follow me and I will... Make you fisher of men. And now we got the right verse, uh, uh, the version up here, I think, that we can all follow along with. Come follow me and what? To fish for people, okay? And we talked about this for the last two weeks. He didn't say, come follow me and I'll make you a millionaire. Come follow me and I'll get you a new pair of shoes, right? Come follow me and I'll get you an all-you-can-eat card for, uh, you know, the uh, Coral Buffet. Uh, what's that place called? Corral Buffet. Thank you. I just like saw the sign, but I couldn't pronounce it. It was a weird mental moment for me there. Um, Golden Corral. He's not saying, hey, come follow me, and I'm going to give you an all-you-can-eat buffet ticket to Golden Corral or a bus ticket that never runs dry, you know, like big time where I got a gold bus ticket. Look at me. Just waving it up in the air. You know, do they even give one of those like a golden ticket for the bus? But let's just say they could have one, and you get it. Is that what he said? No, did he say you would be good looking? Did he say you would become like macho and just all this and hot fellas and some dudes just want to be hot in the summer, you know? Just like men with wet t-shirt contests out there. Just, ah, look at me, pour water on me, I'm a man. I don't know, but I hang out with some dudes that sometimes I feel like that's what they want. They want to be hosed down, you know? They're like, oh, there's some men, you know? 
You know, it's like when I take off my shirt, people are like, oh, oh, no, no. Put it back on, Pastor. Put it back on. Like I was walking around the other day with my shirt off because it was so hot. Was it not hot? And by the way, we got fans here. So if you guys want to get close to a fan, get close to them, you know. Uh, but I was walking around with my shirt off and my girl's like, why are you doing that? It's like, Daddy, put back on your shirt. I just felt a little embarrassed. So he said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. So the very first thing Jesus tells these brothers, these first disciples, was come follow me, number one, and number two, I'm going to send you out. That's what we talk about in this church, connect, mentor, send. You know, you come to Jesus, you get trained with Jesus, you get sent out with Jesus. That's what he's saying, come, so you're going to connect to him, follow me, you're going to get mentored by him, then send, you're going to get sent out by him. That's how it works. That's the point. That's what we're supposed to do, everybody. Now, for them to actually leave to be with Jesus, they had to give up their jobs, okay? So you may not have to do that, but some of us do. Some of us are called into full-time ministry, and God says, Joe, don't want you to be a lawyer. How many think I could have made a pretty sick lawyer? Come on, somebody. Ha, jury, I got something to say. No, they would have get scared with that, but... I try, but I'll be like, jury, listen to me. Don't try this man because this man's a good man. I don't know. But God, God told me not to do that. And you know what else I wanted to be? An airplane pilot. That would be a little scary. That would be a little shady. I don't know if I'll go with him. A little sketchy. But, man, I think I could own that thing. You know what I'm saying? Take out my friends, fly. Whoa, no hands. You know, and just like, go to the ground. Hey, what's up? Then fly it up. So, so full-time ministers... We, we have to say, yeah, I'm going to leave my nets and give it up all for Jesus. That, that's what we do. So not everybody has to do it. But here was the point. Back then, when Jesus was actually walking on the earth, if you wanted to be a disciple, you literally had to give up your job. And it's like, it's worth it, right? I mean, this is the creator of the universe. He knows some stuff. He can do some miracles. I mean, would you do it? I mean, if Jesus was here literally right now, the man who knew everything about you, loved you just the way you were, could heal you when you were sick, would you give up three years to be with him, right? You would just be like, man, fishing, I'll, I'll go back to that in three years, but I'm going to be with Jesus. So that's the story here. But what we learned out of the message, I preached the whole message. You can go to mpichurch.org and get it. The whole message was, are you willing to follow Jesus? So are you willing to leave things behind? Are you willing to leave some friendships behind, some relationships? Maybe it is a job, something that God is saying, that's not what I have for you. I have this for you. Are you willing to leave mindsets behind, you know, racism? Are you able to leave behind, you know, like anger and selfish ambition, all of those things, and follow Jesus? How many are following Jesus? Can I get a whoop whoop? Amen. So we're following Jesus, and the whole point of this sermon series is to now replicate that, is to go out and tell others. So I gave you guys examples about me flying kites, man. It's like, go fly a kite. Okay, I will. And I love flying kites right now. And while I fly kites, people come around. And Larson, my Muslim friend, and I've been telling you about him. Well, here's a good thing. I was flying kites again. He came out, and he said, it's Ramadan. I'm Muslim, and you know he's fasting. And I said, guess what? You don't have to fast to be a Christian. You can just accept Jesus, and he hears your prayers. And he goes, oh, that's so prideful that you think God always hears your prayers. You, you, you don't understand. We're so sinful. We have to do things to make our prayers get heard. And this is the mindset behind Ramadan. They're going to fast from sun up to sundown. I wrote a book on Islam. You can read more about it. It's there in the back, free online. Sun up to sundown, no water, no food. And the whole purpose of this is to atone, to make up for the bad they've done throughout the year. And then when they pray, that Allah will hear them. 
And I said to him, I said, you know what? That's not what I have to do. I just come to Jesus Christ and he hears me every time. And I said, the greatest relationship you have with Allah is his slave. That's what they call themselves, slaves of Allah, slaves of God. I said, you know what he told us? He said, I don't call you just a slave or a servant. I call you my friend. And he said, Abraham was a friend of God. And so I said, you need to become a friend of God. And he said, oh, but you know what? I don't need Jesus. Jesus was just a prophet. And I said, you better watch out. Because you know what? Without Jesus, you can't go to the Father. And I said, because of your sins, because of what you've done, all the evil you've done, nothing you can do can ever get yourself in right relationship with God. It has to be through Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was perfect. So you can fast, but you're still not perfect. You don't deserve it. So we come to Jesus. And then he began to understand the role that Jesus plays. He couldn't have been just a man because he died on the cross for us. Now, I say all of that because that's how I'm making disciples. That's how I'm going into all the world to fish for people. Flying a kite in an Elgin park, talking to a guy named Larson with his daughter who likes to look at the kites and stops for about five minutes. What are you doing? What are you doing to reach people for Jesus? It's not a trick. I'm not out there like, okay, when's he coming, man? I'm going to be ready for him this time. Sometimes I do that. Not all the time. The first time I did it, it wasn't for that. Now I'm ready. Now I'm, t- I'm calf kid. But anyways, but you know, the, the first time I went out flying kites, just moving right along, my idea was I just want to fly kites. Just like your idea is I'm going to work. I'm going to this family reunion. I'm going on this family vacation. I'm hanging out with my friends. Okay, that's good. That's cool. But while you're there, do you want to share about Jesus? Is, is there something that God has done in you that you can do in someone else's life or rather encourage them to let God do it in their life? That's what it means to be a disciple. We talked about that the first week. Now everybody turn with me to Mark, or rather Matthew 16. Everybody say the calling. We talked about, thank you, in last week's message, the calling. Like when you say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. This sounds pretty good. Yeah, I want to teach people what Jesus said because that's good. I mean, how many think we should be teaching people not to kill others, right? How many people think we should tell our neighbors to love them, to love us as they love themselves? We should share that with our neighbors, right? Like, don't rip me off because I don't want to rip you off. So let's do business. Shouldn't that be the basis of all business, whether it's you selling candy at a candy store or or selling billion-dollar businesses like on stock exchanges? Shouldn't it always be, I won't rip you off, you don't rip me off. I'll be good to you, you be good to me. Do you think there's any boss that you're going to work for that's going to be like, look, you stop with all that loving your neighbor stuff. We rip people off here. Well, no, 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 no. You don't tell the truth to these employees or customers. Is there any boss that's going to be like that? Like we love to lie, steal, and cheat everybody here. No, so the best employees are disciples because they should be striving the most to love their neighbor as themselves, treating their customer as they would want to be treated. They call this in business a win-win, right? Look at this passage from last week, Matthew 16, 24. If you're there, say I'm there. Then Jesus said to his what? Come on. Then Jesus said to his disciples thank you whoever wants to be my what disciple must say it deny themselves take up their cross and what follow me thank you verse 25 whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will find it now just listen as i read verse 26 what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So last week we talked about, yeah, you want to be a disciple now? You understand Christ is the way to go? Okay, well, you got to do something. 
It's free to follow Jesus, but it will cost you everything. What this means is, um, imagine if you had a hundred thousand, uh, let's make it more realistic. You owned a home and the home was worth what? 300,000 average home in Chicago. And you had a mortgage for $300,000 on that home. And someone says to you, I will freely pay off the mortgage. All you have to do is just this one thing. And it could just be a simple thing. They could just say, come and just hang out with me for a day. No, I'm not talking like an indecent proposal here, you know what I'm saying? But if they just said, be my friend and I'll pay this off for you, they have the right to deny you or not pay, uh, to pay or not pay because they don't owe you anything. But if they give you a gift and say, do this in exchange for the gift, they're not wrong to do that. Now, once again, if they said something perverted or gross or whatever, then you could say, man, take your money and burn, whatever. But if somebody said to you, just legitimately, like Bill Gates, uh, you hear about this sometimes, you know, wealthy people, uh, you know, give money to their waitresses or money to an employee or a doorman or something, right? So let's just say uh, Bill Gates says, hey, you own $300,000 on this home. Why don't you come spend the day with me and my family? I want to get to know what's going on in your life, you know, kind of like an Oprah Winfrey thing. And they hang out with you. And at the end of the day, they go, man, thanks for coming. You know what I want to do? I want to pay this off. They have the right to do that. Now think of it this way. Jesus is saying salvation is mine. I can give it to whoever I want, but this is all you have to do. We then can't say, well, I've done these things. I've earned salvation. You can't say, well, because I went to Bill Gates' house, now I earned $300,000. Would you say that? Like, oh, I earned $3,000. It's not like if you were there that day Oprah Winfrey was giving away cars that you'd be like, yeah, I got me a car because I earned it. No, but what did you have to do? That day you had to be there in the audience. Is everybody with me? You did something, but it wasn't the something that earned the gift. It was something that puts you in the place of receiving the gift. This is grace. So sometimes people say, oh, I'm just saved. I'm just saved because Jesus loves me. He loves everybody. No, Jesus loves everybody, but he's not saving everybody. He's only saving those who put them in the, themselves in the place to receive the gift, to reach out their heart, to open up their hands and say, save me. If you do those things, then you're saved. Is everybody with me? But you don't then take credit and say, well, because I opened up my hand and received his gift, I earned it. You don't earn your salvation. You receive it. So going back to this point, he's saying, hey, you want to be my disciple? You're not going to earn it but you're going to put yourself in a place to be it. And the first thing you got to do is shut off the cantaloupe-sized brain you got going on, making excuses, and trust me, deny yourself. A lot of times we teach people, look into yourself, find yourself. No, no, baby, you don't want to find yourself. You're a mess. You need to find Jesus. You need to find yourself, Jesus, you know. Well, I'm just trying to discover myself. No, stop right now. Discover Jesus. Because all you're going to find out is you are a wicked, backbiting, sinner, unforgiving, selfish person. Are you listening to me? And you go, I don't know if I believe it. Come with me one time to Mardi Gras and see what happens when people really act like themselves, right? Or just watch reality TV and look what happens when people really act like themselves. Look at Columbine, some of our nation's tragedies. That's what happens when people act like themselves. To truly live the best you you can be, you find yourself in Jesus Christ. You find the plan, the purpose that he has. He made you for a reason. Amen. He made you for a purpose.
You don't take your, you know, your Jaguar car to the mechanic down the road. You go to the, the foreign dealer, the place you got it from, that specializes in that kind of car with that kind of parts. Don't take your life to Lady Gaga, uh, you know what I'm saying, to, to, to these basketball players, Deion Wade, or what's his name? What's that guy's name? Guys, help me out. Is it, what's his, Daryl Rose? Derek Rose? <laughs> He's talking to me really slow, and I'll understand. Derek Rose? What's the one with Wade in his name? Dwayne Wade. There he is. High five, right? So the point is I don't take my life to him because he can dribble a ball and shoot it through a metal rim and be like, give me my purpose. I don't go to Lady Gaga because she can sing and go tell me what I'm here for. I don't go to a talk show host, Dr. Phil Oprah Winfrey, any one of them, and go tell me what I'm here for. I don't go to politics and to government. I don't even go to another pastor and say, priest, pope, father, whoever, tell me who I am. No, I go to Jesus, the creator of my life, the one who designed it, who knows it intricately who wrote the manual and has a plan for my life and loves me just as I am but too much to let me stay that way so I come in there all broken and disgusted as a little as a little engine that could you know I come in there and I just fall apart and I go God I don't know what I'm doing and he puts me together a little steam engine and I just run it out for Jesus he fixes our lives and makes it the way he wants it to be but we have to go into his repair shop we deny ourselves and say I'm trying I'm tired of trying to fix myself fix me number number one everybody say deny yourself the second thing is take up your cross what does that mean you die to your own ambition how many know when your body dies, your ambitions die? So it don't get you very far. So people are like, man, I'm going to be ambitious. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to become a PhD. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to feed the homeless. You could be the greatest person in the world according to the world's mind. Like a Mother Teresa, her body still died. So if she did not place her eternal soul into the arms of Jesus Christ, when she died, her good works count for nothing. Because you have to deny yourself and say, you know what? I don't get myself to heaven. And then any desire that I have that wants to try to take over my life, I put it on the cross. Because what did Jesus do on the cross? He died. And we're to consider our old life dead. So people tell me, man, Joe, you don't know me. I was born like this. And I, born, I was born attracted to this. And let me just tell you something. I was born attracted to multiple women, okay? That's how I was born. Now, some men, you're acting like you're too holy. But don't be a hypocrite in church. It came natural to me to look at multiple women and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, what did I have to do? Put that on the cross and live for Jesus Christ and consider that part dead and allow God to make me a husband that would be loyal to my wife. Now, you may want a pastor that shucks and jives lies to you, but I ain't going to do that. I'm going to tell you that as it is. I had to be set free from perversion. I had to be set free from anger. So you may say, Pastor, I was born this way. And that is true. You were born a sinner. But Jesus said, be born again a saint. So be, deny yourself. Pick up the cross of Jesus Christ. And anytime your old self tries to get back up, lay it on that cross and say, you are dead in the name of Jesus. The life that I live, I live in Jesus Christ. He took my stinking thinking and he gave me the mind of Christ. He took away a perverted heart and gave me love for a wife he took away anger and gave me peace are you tracking with me took away greed and gave me generosity because jesus christ is the one that can transform our souls you can try it on your own you can go to tony little you can go to self-help books and try to just change yourself a little bit here and there but really does that change carry on past your life no it doesn't 
The only change that lasts forever is the change that does inside of your eternal soul. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. And what's the next thing? Follow. He said, follow me. And we're following him. Jesus. So what does that mean? Where Jesus goes, I go. Jesus is all present. So he's where you are. So what job is Jesus going tomorrow that he wants you to be at? Go there. Do that. What spouse, what relationship does he want you in? Be there. Marry that person. How does he want you to treat your husband, your wife? How does he want you to raise your children? Follow Jesus. You know what the Lord's... Uh, uh, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. At the end of that, it says, surely grace and mercy shall follow me all the days of what? My life. Why does grace and mercy follow all the days of the life of the believer? Because they're following their shepherd. You look at people that are following Jesus. They may be going through crazy situations, but they still got grace and mercy. They haven't lost their mind. And you're like, man, what are they eating? What Cheetos did they get? Uh, you know, uh, Cheetos. What uh, Wheaties, spiritual Wheaties are they eating? But no, the reason why they're succeeding, it's not because the storm is any different. Both you and them are going through a storm. But what is different is that they're following Jesus Christ through the storm, and grace and mercy is therefore following them. We can't ask God to bless our mess. We can't be going through problems so our marriage is going through a problem and then all of a sudden we say well I'm going to stop going to church I'm going to stop reading my Bible because what we've did is we've stopped following him in the midst of the storm and therefore we cannot receive his blessings though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil why your rod and your staff they what they comfort me think about that how do we make it through the storms of our life? By following Jesus. Has anybody here ever been through a storm? Can you testify that following Jesus got you out of the storm? Can you testify that it was his grace and it was his mercy that brought you through the storm? Amen. It wasn't your, your wit, your savvy, your sense of humor. It was the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. If it had not been for his grace, see, I'm preaching now. If it had not been for the mercy of God, where would you be? Well, just think about it. Think about people who have gone through what you've gone through. But if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God, you would be where they're at. I had friends commit suicide. I have friends that are in jail because, see, I hung around drug dealers. But it was the grace of God that brought me through that to where I am today. I've already seen two marriages that I went to Bible college with end in divorce because of affair. But we just made eight years, baby, and it's getting better and better as the days go by. Why? The grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. It's just the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. We're not saying we don't go through stuff. We do have a battle, but we got a promise in the midst of our battle. We're more than conquerors because Jesus Christ said, so greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And then what's the fourth thing? Everybody say, lose your life. Because if I lose my life for Jesus, I find it. So what did he tell me to do, man? If I want to follow him, put myself in the place where I can receive what he has for me. Deny myself. It's not my way, it's his way. I take up the cross. Those desires that I have that aren't of him, I put them to death. I then follow him as he is my shepherd wherever he leads. And then I lose my life for his. And my life in his hands is eternal. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, it's life without end. Everybody say, Zoe. 
uh, in the English we would say Zoe, but it's pronounced in the Greek Zoe. It is the God kind of life. It's a Greek word. And so when he says you will receive eternal life, this Greek word is Zoe. It is the God kind of life. It is a life full of joy. The Bible says in his presence is the fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. You won't be up in heaven wishing you had rice and beans and could go on a fishing trip and go to great America. Just being with him will be enough. And if you've ever been in love, you know what I'm talking about. It didn't matter where you were, what you did, but if your lover was with you, you felt all right. Are you listening to me? And Jesus is the lover of our souls. It just got hot up in here. I'm holding a rag. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. But if you love him, say amen. Oh, snap. I'm excited. Now look at your neighbor and say, that sure was a good introduction. Now you guys ready for the message? This is today's message. That was just review. That was just all review. Here's today's message. The heart of a disciple. Everybody say the heart of a disciple. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. We learned about following Jesus. We learned about the calling and coming to Jesus. Now I want us to have the heart of a disciple. Last week, I said that we would talk about the details of discipleship. You know, the day-to-day -day things we do. But I felt today to change that subject to talk about the heart. And as you're turning there, hold your finger at that passage just for a few moments because I want to share with you my heart, my corazón. When I got saved at the age of 18, I was on drugs and I was a drug dealer, high school dropout. And Jesus Christ transformed me. And so what that means is literally I saw a change in my life. I no longer wanted to quit jobs. I held down a job. That was one of the biggest miracles my mom saw was I held down a job. Oh, I know he got saved. You know, it's like, well, yeah, I have a job, Mama. Thank you. Um, I stopped cussing and wanting to fight. You know, I stopped smoking weed, right? But the biggest thing that actually happened in my life is that there was an awareness that Jesus was now with me, that he was with me. It was like the difference of, uh, you know, as I was driving here today on the highway, I see the police officer, and I'm like, whoa, better slow down. It went from that to the police officer now living in my house, driving in my car. I became acutely aware that Jesus wasn't somebody out here, but now Jesus was somebody in here. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. But that was the heart that changed. This, this transplant of a heart literally became the home of Jesus. And when we say Jesus came to live in our heart, we don't mean little like baby Jesus, little Dito Jesus, come lives in our arteries, boom, boom, and there he is. He's like, hey, it's a little bit, you know, too much blood down here, you know, like some weird thing like that. No, it's like when we say Jesus came and lives in our heart, what we're saying is the soul. That part of us that we know lives on after our body. That part of us that feels when our body doesn't. Have you, those of you who have ever had sex before marriage and you weren't in love, you had sex but you didn't have love, right? So the part of you that didn't have love was your soul even though your body was doing this motion. You see, this is the type of thing we're talking about. It's, 
your soul. It, it's what makes you who you are. It's your personality. We're not animals driven along by instinct. We all are different. Not only do we have different personalities, but we have different desires in those personalities. And so the Bible calls this a soul. And what Jesus does is he transforms it and he puts his very presence in that part of who you are. So now you hear his voice in your heart like you hear your own. A lot of times people ask me, how do you hear the voice of God? I hear God as thoughts because my soul produces thoughts. So when I hear God speak to me, I hear thoughts. But those thoughts come from God. Now, sometimes I think I hear God when I don't. And those who are crazy think they hear God telling them to wear a bunch of, you know, starter jackets and ride on the train and smell like urine. And we need to pray for them because they, they have a mental problem, right? But to say every Christian who says, I hear thoughts that are not my own, does that make them schizophrenic? And then to say, if I hear thoughts of the devil, does that make us demon-possessed? Think of your soul like an antenna for a radio. Right now, radio stations are playing in this room. But you have no antenna to pick it up. If we have, uh, had a radio with an antenna, the moment we put it up, turned it on, what would happen? We would have the receiver for the radio stations. And we could go from this channel to this channel. But if I shut that off, we hear nothing. Is everybody with me? Your soul is like that radio receiver. You can tune in to what God is saying. Once you're born again, you'll begin to hear him clearly. Or you can turn into what the devil is saying and what his demons are saying. Or you can tune into what you are saying and what you are thinking. And so the, the disciple is there to discern those things. Now, going back to my story, I was now very much aware that there were thoughts, there was voice, there was a leading in my life that was no longer me, and it definitely wasn't the devil. But God began to speak to me. He said, stop smoking. I said, God, smoking ain't a sin. doesn't say not to sin in the Bible, but he told me, you stop smoking. And I threw out my cigarettes, and I started to bum cigarettes off of everybody, and I said, man, this ain't working, Lord. And he said to me, go to your prayer closet, and fall on your face and surrender every addiction you've ever had. And I'll break them all in one moment, one day. And I went to my face in my prayer closet. And I laid down very similar to how Julian was laying out right there. Because God told me to do this. And I literally just said, God, I surrender. And this is God as my witness. You can believe it or not. I have not smoked drugs. I have not gone drunk or smoked a cigarette in almost 18 years. Not 12 steps, one step to Jesus. Right? We give all glory to God. All that goes to him. But what happened there? It was me knowing what he was saying in my heart. So I'm taking my time to explain this because some of you are like, yeah, I hear Jesus. He speaks to my heart. But you don't really know what that means. And you get confused sometimes between what you're saying, what he's saying. And then sometimes you hear bad thoughts. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Your soul is a receiver of information in the spiritual world. Yourself, the devil, or God. But a disciple, someone who's born again, needs to tune in that station to Jesus. And when your heart is tuned into Jesus, your life will change. And I'm just going to share with you one other thing. So that was like big drugs, all of that. Can I tell you what was the biggest thing that Jesus ever spoke to me after all of that, the drugs, alcohol, being saved, was who my wife was going to be? How many know that's a pretty big decision? I just can't go be marrying anybody, amen? 
It's like I would be showing up places. You're the pastor. Yeah, I'm the pastor. You good looking pastor. You know, I was like, whoa, come on now, you know. So I kind of felt like to be the, the bottle of the ball. But then the girls that I began to like, I went after. They said, oh, you're gross. I don't like you. So there were people in my church that liked me. And I think they even came to the church because they hoped to marry themselves a pastor. But they weren't, they weren't for me. And then there were girls that I pursued. And I was like, this is the one. This is the one. And they were like putting call block. And I remember even like one time, well, it was the most embarrassing time of my life. I liked this girl. She was a little bit younger than me. You know, like I was 24. She was like 19 or something. And I literally remember one of the young men that I had raised up in the Lord had to pull me aside and be like, Joe, you got to leave her alone. And I'm like the pastor, and I like feel so embarrassed. I felt like felt like I was that guy at the bar that was all drunk, hitting on the girl, you know. Like, you better leave her alone, mister, you know. And I just felt like I was that guy. Like, my friend puts his arm around me. He's like, she's not for you. But I'm like, I like her. I like her a lot. So I meet this beautiful woman named Nancy. She comes on a mission trip to New Orleans. And she's in a relationship with somebody and I'm in a relationship with somebody. And we just pass the ships in the night. Then I moved to Chicago to work in a church and she happens to be the administrator, the secretary of that church. Now at this moment, you can talk to her. She begins to realize this is my man. Am I telling the truth? She's like, that's my man. You look at her phone. When it rings and I call, hot preacher man. I'm the hot preacher man. So she's like, that's my man. And so what does any gr good Greek girl do when she's got a man and she's got to stalk him down? She starts bringing all that good Greek food to him every day. So every day, Nancy would show up, hey, pastor, here's my mom's Greek food. And I just kept eating this Greek food day after day after day. And I wasn't faking it. I actually liked it. It was like olives and all this good stuff. And, and uh, literally, my parents come. My parents come to church, sitting in the front row, and I introduce Nancy to my parents because, you know, I'm the youth pastor, and they're all excited to see what we're doing there. And I go, Dad, this is the administrator. She's the secretary. She's awesome. My dad hugs her. Just a normal hug. God bless you. The service ends. We get into the car. My dad says, God told me when I hugged her, that was your wife. See, he knew how to hear from God. That was a disciple. But I didn't hear from God. I then go out with her because I feel like, man, I better give this a shot. You know, this is pretty cool that, you know, she likes me. I have never really been liked by a good-looking girl like that before. You know, I mean, this is weird for me, man. Normally the ones that like me, missing teeth, you know what I'm talking about. So, no, I'm just kidding. So this girl right here, she's liking me. So I go out with her. But then what happens after a couple weeks, I break up with her. And I literally tell her when we break up all the reasons why I don't think she is for me. I say, well, you know, this is the way you are, and this is the way you are, and this is the way you are, and like this, and like this, and I don't think that's for me. So it's like, take foot, put it in your mouth. That's what I did. But here's the deal. At that moment, I grieved the Holy Spirit, God within me, Jesus speaking to me through the Holy Spirit. I was now grieving him. I wasn't listening. I was only following my flesh, my body. I was only following what I thought, right? This is what I wanted, and she wasn't matching it. And then 
God's presence began to leave my prayer time. I was beginning to pray, but I wouldn't feel Jesus and I wouldn't hear Jesus because I was not obeying what he was saying. This is how he deals with me. I don't know how he deals with you, but this is how he deals with me. And then eventually I said to him, I cried out, very similar to that day spread eagle on the floor when I got set free from drugs, but I did it in my Addison apartment just pacing back and forth. I just said, God, what do you want me to do? What am I missing? And God said, marry that woman, that's your wife. And he said, I'll give you a heart for her because I prepared you for her. You don't even know how much you need her. You know, this is how he's speaking to me. And I called her up and I said, God told me that you and I are supposed to get married. Within six months, I married the girl of my dreams. And now we made it eight years with three beautiful children. All glory to God. And everything she is, is what I wanted all along, but just didn't even know what I was looking for. How many know you don't know what you don't know? You don't know what you don't know. I didn't know that that was the woman that God had for me. And it's not like the Lord drugged me along, like, you're going to love her. It was just like he opened up the blinders. And I was like, yes. So, yes, that's the one I want. That's the one. Forget the others, God. That's the one I want. And I always talk about, you know, back in the world, you know, I was having sex and all this crazy stuff. But, man, the first time I held Nancy's hand, just holding it, woo, I'm holding her hand. I remember I tried to talk her into kissing me, and she was like, no, no, no. And then when I finally kissed her, I was like, yes, yes, yes. I ascended Mount Nancy. I have arrived. Praise him. That's what it was like, and I wrote a book about a date like a Christian because I was like, this is how I jacked it up the whole entire time, but then this is how God taught me how to do it right. Now as we get ready to look at this message to G, uh, of, of Jesus to us, I want to encourage you to have the heart of a disciple. And what it means is you hear what he says to you. You do what he tells you to do. Your heart is sensitive to him. And you honor that. Because at one point, couldn't I have just said, God, no, I, no, I really don't want that. Couldn't I have done that and chose a wife of my own doing, right? Can't you just say, no, God, I don't want to work that job. No, God, I don't want to follow that career. No, God, I don't want to raise my kids that way. Yes, eventually you can stomp and put down your feet and say, I ain't moving, God. And he'll say, okay. But the disciple says, God, I'll follow where you take me. Why? Because in their heart, they love God. If you love God, your heart will be full of love for him and you'll obey him. Amen? If you're ready for this, somebody say, I'm ready. I got 10 minutes to preach the message. It's going to take a miracle. Pray for me. Here it is. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. If you're there, say, I'm there. The same day Jesus went out of a house and sat by the lake. Such large crowd gathered around him. He got into a boat, sat in it. While the people stood on the shore, there he told many things in parables. A farmer went out to sow seed. He was planting seed. That's what sowing means. He's planting it. As he was scattering seed, some fell among the path. Birds came and ate it up. Some fell among rocky places where it did not have much soil. Others sprang, and it, it sprang up quickly. But because the soil was shallow, when the sun came up, it was scorched, and the plant withered and had no root. Verse 7, other seed fell among the thorns. It grew up, and the thorns choked out the plant. Still other seed fell on good ground where it produced a crop of 30, 60, and what? 
hundred times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Now he explains the parable. Go all the way down to verse 18, please. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Everybody say, I'm listening, Jesus. Come on. He said, listen. Somebody say, I'm listening. Amen. He said, listen to what the parable of the planter, the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was stoned. This is the seed sown among the path. So if you hear what we're preaching today, but you don't apply understanding, you just zone out, the devil will come and eat what God is trying to give you. What God is sowing in your heart, the devil will come and eat like a bird. He'll take it away and say, don't listen to that. He'll put other thoughts in your mind and block out these thoughts. You have to apply understanding to the word of God for it to connect with your heart. You just can't, boom, get it by osmosis. Just sitting here. I went to church and we had a good time. What did you learn? I don't know, but he was sure preaching a lot no you have to come and understand apply your mind to this if you don't devil comes takes it amen that's the word now look at what the next one says in verse 20 the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once they receive it with joy they're so happy happy but since they have no root they only last a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word they quickly fall away so they hear the word of God. They're like, yeah, man, I want to live for Jesus. I want to be a disciple. That's me. But the moment their friends go, well, you're, you're not telling me homosexuality is a sin, are you? Because our friends are bisexual and lesbian. And you're not telling me you're one of them. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. See, because persecution comes. They deny what the word says. Oh, come on, baby. We love each other. We, we married in God's eyes. We don't got to get married in a man's eyes. We married right now. Let's make love, baby. I love you. You're not one of them religious girls, are you? And then, oh, no, 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 I'm not. See, whenever something persecution-wise comes, God says, give a tenth. Give 10% of what you make. Don't love money. Do you serve Christ like that? Uh, no, 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 because people at my job will think I'm dumb if I give to church, so I don't want to do that. People make excuses. They suffer persecution. They stop serving God. It's like a seed that goes down a little bit, but when the sun comes out, it scorches it and dies because it didn't have enough root. That's the second one. The third one, verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns is someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life. Everybody say worries. Thank you. And the deceitfulness of wealth. Everybody say love of money. Thank you. Choke the word, making it unfruitful. So what happens, man? There's this one person. They love God. Their heart is right. And, and then the weeds, uh, excuse me, the plant starts growing up, but weeds start growing with it. And what are these weeds? Love of money. Why are you going to church all the time? You could be making overtime. You could be working this job. You know, you should put this job first because, you know, the economy's bad. And the weed just begins to come. You know, you know what all that preacher wants you to do is just give to the church. That's all they want. They're just all about money. I mean, look at him driving that station wagon. I mean, he just spends it all on his car. Just look at him. Just look at him, you know. And you know what? Worry, worry, worry. Worry, worry. What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your family? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Stop going to church. It's not helping. Just worry, worry, worry. Ah, worry. It's going to stay home because I'm worried, right? Something's going to hurt me. Something's going to do this. I'm so worried. Just chokes it out like a plant with weeds. And the fourth one, somebody said the fourth one, the seed falling on good soil. Somebody say good soil. Thank you refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. Now just look up at me quickly and I'll just share this with you in closing. Your heart determines how God's word operates in your life. 
If you have a hard heart and you don't apply understanding to what you hear, the devil will steal what you learn here and it will count for nothing out there in the world. That's why we see the culture shifting the way it is. All we needed was 20 years of them bombarding us with the homosexual movement, and now over half of America believes homosexuality is okay. Let's let, you know, let them adopt, let's do everything or whatever. Who cares if God calls it a sin? We're just doing it like this. All it took was about 20 years. You know, we went from Wooly Bully to the French Prince, fr Fresh Prince to Little Wayne. That's all it took. And now we all just say, Little Wayne, that's normal. That's normal. Hey, nothing wrong with that guy. That guy's normal, right? And I grew up and uh, I was around New Orleans watching kids grow up and it just becomes normal, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, you go from Leave It to Beaver to the 60s Revolution to over 500 murders in Chicago. Right now, you know, leading the nation in murders. Just, oh, that's normal. It's a Chicago baby. It's how we do it. More people. You have a higher rate of dying in Chicago as a youth, especially African American, than you do in Afghanistan. But it's normal. It's normal. See, our heart becomes so hard, people, that we don't hear the voice of God anymore. And what he's saying is here, don't do that. Let your heart be soft. Everything points back to that fourth seed, uh, the fourth ground. The seed is always the same, but the heart is different. What heart are you going to have? But if you harden your heart, things that once were evil will become good to you, and you'll make excuses. Why? Because you don't hear God anymore. And you'll hear a preacher like this, and it will offend you. Well, pastor, you don't know this, and you don't know that. No, the problem is you don't know the voice of God, my friend. And his word is right here and it's speaking clearly. Amen? The second one is the one among Rocky Pass. And this is the one that I worry about so much, or rather concern myself with so much, because these are new Christians. They come. They say, man, I love Jesus. Here I am, pastor, because it says they receive it with joy. And they're like, man, I'll go to discipleship. I'll go to the life group. I'll let somebody speak into my life. I'll be accountable. I'll read my Bible. But then all of a sudden, something gets in their life, and instead of pushing through it and going through their test and getting a testimony, they just throw up their hands and just quit, and <laughs> there comes the sun and burns up their plant. These chairs would be filled ten times over with all the people who have shook my hand, slapped leaders, high five, and said, we're down for life. We're doing it. But then quit over silliness, offense, persecution by their family. Sometimes, and I want to tell you, my friends, sometimes serving Christ is hard. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes you will lose things, not just gain things. Because when you go from being on the devil's side to on Jesus' side, he will fight against you. He will turn people against you. He will try to saturate you with depression and attacks from the enemy. So if you've ever noticed that when you decide to live for God, some things in your life begin to fall apart, that's exactly what he intends to do. Because he's trying to shake you out of your faith. But the Bible says, though we're struck down, we're not destroyed. Though we're forsaken by men, we're never abandoned by God. He says, yea, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Why? Because wherever you go, Jesus Christ is with you. You will make it. And just talk to somebody who's been serving God for more than 60 days. They'll tell you, oh yeah, I've seen some tough days with the devil. I've seen him roaring like a lion. But I've seen Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, pimp slap him, stomp on him, and give me the victory. Yes, I got some scars to prove I've been in battles. Yes, I got people that don't like me. Yes, I'm not as close to some family members as I used to. But God has kept his word. He has done everything for me. He said he would do. 
He has. Where I've lost family members, I've gained a church in their place. My brother may want to still do drugs or drink to his drunk, but I have brothers here that live for God and raise their family rights, and I would rather have my children call them uncle than my brother because I've given it up for Christ. Amen? There are things God will do for you that you can never do for yourself. The Bible says no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has planned for his people. Don't let your momentary test get you to give up on God. And don't go to some church that tries to paint you a yellow brick road because all they're doing is failing you. I like to go to that church because they make me feel good. My friends, your feelings will fail you one day. Go to a church that preaches the word of God, that prepares you for battle, to be a soldier for Jesus Christ. And if you get hurt, we're also a hospital. Amen? We'll help you get healed, but you are a victorious conqueror in Jesus' name. So those seeds that go down, my brother, and they think they're going to live for God for all the days of their life, but yet they get tested. My prayer for them is dig down deep and don't quit. Tell somebody that. Look at your neighbor and say, don't quit. Come on, mean it. Don't quit. The third uh, heart that we see is the weedy heart. Ben, would you come, please? And this is the heart that could be with any of us. Do you know that any time right now I can switch the channel of my radio station in my heart and tune into what the devil's saying? At any time, the Christian has the choice to let weeds grow in their heart. Is anybody here... Ever did yard work, mess with the garden or anything like that before, right? We know about this, those of us raising our hand. My wife and I, now we got all this landscaping and stuff, don't know what we're doing. I was about ready to pull out plants. Like, no, don't pull that out. We paid a lot of money for that. I was like, I don't know what that thing is. I'm going to pull it out. I thought it was a weed, you know? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just used to cut grass. That's what I did. The landscapers did the rest of that stuff. But one of the things that I noticed is that I can spend two hours picking weeds on my hands and knees out in the hot sun, and the very next week, whoop, weeds grow back. Anybody ever notice that? You go out there, pick those weeds-ish, and boom, they come back next week. They don't ever stop. I got this one a black thing that you can put down. It's like a tarp over your uh, garden area. Then you put your dirt or your uh, mulch on top of it. So it's supposed to, like, block out the life and everything for these weeds. I got weeds popping through that black tarp. I'm like, you are a crazy weed. Look at you. I'm talking to it. I'm going to kill you. And then there's these weeds. Man, there's these weeds. I don't even know how they have the thorns on these things like they do. There's these certain kind of weeds. I don't know if you see them out there either. But they got these like hair. They're like little hairs. But they're also prickly. And it grows on every single part of the weed. It grows on the base of the weed. It grows on the leaf of the weed. It grows on the top of the weed. Have a little flower come out. Little sticky things on the flower. And I, I like, I just, just tried to grab that thing with my hands. And I was like, dear God, have mercy. I almost had to repent because I just, just got so upset. So I picked these things with gloves. And as I was preparing for today, this just stuck in my mind. That's the Christian life. That's what you do as a Christian. You guard your heart. And you go to the church on Sunday and you pick out all those weeds, but tomorrow the devil's going to try to come there and plant some more. You've got to guard your heart. 
And if you're not looking and you're being lazy, you know, with your devotions, and you're not paying attention to what God is doing, and you just start watching more and more TV, all of a sudden those big sticky weeds start coming out. Those attitude weeds start coming out. And they hurt. Like you, like you feel pain when they come out. You're like, man, that hurts. God dealing with me in this way, it doesn't feel good. But afterwards it does. But when you're getting dealt with by God, it's like God saying, I don't like the way you talk to your wife, Joe. You got to change that. I'm like, God, forgive me. It hurts. I don't mean to talk to her that. You know, you got to change. You got to put it on the cross. You got to let me take that weed out. But here's the thing. When we first moved in there, the reason why I confused what was weeds and what was bushes is because we had weeds the size of bushes. It was like, man, there's a weed right here. I'm like trimming the thing like it's a bush. I'm going to make that thing look nice. It was a weed. I'm like tearing out the bush. I didn't know. And sometimes these weeds grow up in the Christian's life, and they get so used to it, it just becomes a part of who they are. You know, they're a Christian. They love God. But you know what? They're always depressed, you know, because that's just the way they are. They don't know how to see God doing good things. They just read their Facebook. It's like, oh, God, it's so hot. And I don't have an air conditioning. You know, then the same ones in the winter. Dear God, it's cold. And I don't have a heater. Oh, dear God, I got a bike. And I don't like it. Dear God, I got a car. And I don't, it's like, dear God, shh, be quiet. Just be quiet. No, don't write that on Facebook anymore. Just say you're happy that you have fingers. I'm happy I have fingers to write on Facebook today. I want to complain, but I won't complain because I got fingers. I have a brain. I'm happy I have a brain. It's like think of something you're happy for, right? But, you know, this, this weed, this weed has grown up, you know, just all up in their life, and that's just who they are. And what begins to happen is the word, it says, the word begins to get choked. And sometimes it's by money, and sometimes it's by worries, and sometimes it's by, you know, uh, anger, and it's sometimes it's by this and by that. But the bottom line, every weed does the same thing. It kills what's around it. And I have a field outside of my, my home where there's no more grass. There's only weeds. It's gone. It says eventually this one becomes no, no more fruit. It doesn't have any more fruit on it. The last one grows 30, 60, 100 fold. What is the difference between the first, second, and third one and the last one? Is that the last one made sure that they understood the word. They let the roots go down deep and they picked the weeds out every day. Would you stand and give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his word today? Come on. Do you want that heart? Do you want the heart of a disciple? Amen. Would you turn quickly with me? Just the back there, if you have your Bible, you can stand with it. I just want you to hear it. Mark 12, 29, Jesus said, these are the most important things you do with your heart. Because I don't have time to give you a hundred commandments, but here's the two greatest commandments that you guard your heart with. If you can do these two things, the rest of them will follow. Here it says, Jesus said, hear this, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God. With what? All your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. As we get ready to leave out here today, make that the desire of your heart, and then start following God. Joe, how have you lived for the Lord? 18 years. 
by following this, loving God and loving people. Joe, do you ever get weeds? Yeah, I do, but I pick them out. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. Joe, do you ever feel your ground gets hard? Yeah, but i got to ask the Lord to water it with the Holy Spirit. Joe, do you ever feel like persecution just weighs down on you? Yeah, but those times I go into prayer and I let them dig me down deeper to the source of water so the heat of this world doesn't destroy what God is doing. Let God give you his heart today. Because that's what a disciple has, a heart after God. Let's pray. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as altar workers come? Thank you today for coming. Just focus on the word right now in an attitude of prayer before we go. What is your heart like? Just ask the Lord to to show you your heart. Just say, Lord, show me my heart. What is my heart like, Jesus? Has it become hard? Has it become shallow? Has it become full of weeds? Or is it good ground producing good fruit? Show every one of us what our heart is like today, God. Oh, Lord, show me my heart. Show me my heart, Jesus. Show me my heart, God. I don't concern myself with the neighbor my neighbor today start with me we wait on you God search our hearts God who are we really who are we God to you how do you see us now if you're like me I'm sure the Lord is showing you some things in your heart that need to change. If that's you today, would you just raise your hands with me as a sign of surrender and just say, Lord, change my heart. And now begin to pray those things that you want him to change. Oh, God, make my heart like Christ today. Remove that weed, God, of lack of patience, bitterness, unforgiveness anger perversion that's just what God showed me in 30 seconds oh have mercy Lord root out those weeds of my heart today let my heart always be pure one weed is not acceptable to me today not one weed not one weed God make me patient and loving with my wife and family Let my eyes always be for her. Let her always be the apple of my eye, God. Let I treat this church, God, as you would treat them if you were here. Let me pastor them. Come on, you're talking to God now. I'm talking to God now for me. You talk to him before we go. Let not a man in his voice have your heart. Let God in his voice have your heart. Come on, just 15 more seconds. I surrender all to you, Jesus. I surrender all. I surrender all, God. Thank you, God. Now, we don't have to go out of here with condemnation. I know even as I prayed, I just felt some release begin to come. I began to feel grace, mercy. If you're sensing that right now, that God is moving, he's doing it. I mean, he's not going to be trying to pull out a weed for four years. He'll get it out today and help it not grow back. So just thank him if you sense him doing it. Because the other thing the devil would like to do is get you to feel guilty all the time. I don't have to repent 20 times. I repent once and I mean it. 
And I thank him for that forgiveness. Because I know I will do better because he's with me. There are some weeds that you'll never have to pull out again. You know, like I've never smoked again and I'll never have to repent of that. But there are some weeds, man, that just like it seems every day I have to go and pull it out. Not that God intends my heart to be that way, but because I'll slip into something that I shouldn't. So that's why we should make daily time of prayer and hear what he says to our heart so that we don't be deceived by it. Because the Bible says that when the heart is not with God, it can be very deceiving. Your feelings can deceive you. You know it. Many of you have been in relationships. You felt like you loved that person. They loved you. But what? They cheated on you. They broke your heart. You thought you would love this job. You did it. Then you didn't love it. See, we can deceive ourselves. But God will never lie. He'll always tell us the truth. Would you look up at me, please, as we get ready to close out? These altar workers are here to just pray one more time with you today. I know we've prayed a lot, but they're just here to help you on that journey. We'll close with singing a song, and you're dismissed. But remember to check your heart every day. And I would say if you really love your neighbor, your friends, ask them, hey, man, how's your heart doing? How's your heart? Is it right with God? You know, those are the questions we should ask each other. Father, bless us as we go our separate ways. May we always have a heart of a disciple after your heart. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen? Come on, can you give the Lord a shout of praise and a hand clap? Come on, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Slap your, your neighbor high five and say, check your heart, baby. God bless you. Ben, let's worship together. If you need prayer, come on up. We're here, otherwise have a great week. Check your heart. Come on, man. Give me something that just makes me want to worship Jesus. Come on, I got the drummer on it. Woo! There it is. That's a good one. Amen. God bless you as you go today. Come if you need prayer. Worship with us if you just want more of what the Lord is pouring out today. Yes, God, He is Lord, Lord of all. Yes, Lord, I speak over those who may be going through situations. Oh, God, give them strength today. Strengthen your people. Woo, be our foundation.